All right? Zokti Umar like this. Dafsamaches. Um, we're going to pick up from about the two dots, about ten lines from the top of the page. And we said, When are, is the person's begodim going to become tamay? Is it going to be, is the one who deals with the imurim, with the parts of the burning of the animal, as soon as, the, do the clothing become tamay, as soon as they leave the Beis HaMikdash? Or, when they would bring it out to the place where it was burnt, and most of it started being burnt. So, Tan Rabban, the rabbis learned, and so should we, they bring it outside the machana, they bring the, the limbs of the of the animals outside of the Beis HaMikdash, and they burn it. Now, um, in other places, okay, meaning by other karbonis of the Kain Gadol, we say that they have to be completely outside all machanais, all the camps, which means outside of Yerushalayim. But when it comes to the, uh, the bull and the goat of Yom Kippur, it seems you only need to take it out of one camp. Now, what's that one camp going to be? We'll say outside the Beis HaMikdash. It doesn't necessarily need to be outside Yerushalayim, maybe outside the base of Mikdash itself will suffice. Says the Gemara MK, and if that would be true, if it only means that you need to go outside the base of Mikdash and not outside Yerushalayim, why does it say outside the Machna? Because, which could be implied, you know, in numerous ways. Like Malachada tell us, that once um, the bull or the goat leaves one Machna, Metamim Begadim, the begadim become tummy, meaning it's going to completely be taken out of all three. So why do we list it as if it could be only one? Because that's that first machana, that's the stage where the begadim of this person who's dealing uh, um, who, who's dealing with the uh, emurim is going to become tummy. Says the Gemara of Ahasa Manala, how do you taka know that in general the chatas of the Kohen Gadol, taka has to go completely outside of Yerushalayim, the time we learned there by Savaitzias Kalapar, he brings out the entire par. The entire par means completely outside of all camps. How do you know? How do you know? It means completely outside of all camps. Since it says by the par by a communal par, that's where it says. You go outside the machina. Shein Talmud Leimar. That wasn't necessary to tell me that. Sharei Kvar Nemar Vesarav Aisoi Kasha Sarvus Parishon. Because already says by the communal offering that you burn it the same way you burnt the first par, and the first par is being meaning it's being burnt the same way as the Kayin Godo. So why do you got to say also that the communal offering goes outside the machina? Lita Leim Machina Shnia. That's that's hinting to us that there's a second camp. When it says outside the machana, when it comes to the ashes, I would say that wasn't necessary. We know that that's the that's how far he's going. He's going to the places where the ashes are kept after the burning. So why do you list it? It must be that it's telling. It must be teaching us that by a general parachatos of a kaingodol outside of Yom Kippur, a general parachatos, it goes outside of all three camps. So too, what's the limit over here? What are we learning out? When it comes to the par of Yom Kippur, 
It also goes outside of all three camps. I, but it doesn't say. It only seems to be one camp. So why are you saying one camp if it's going outside all three camps? Says the Gemara to tell me that the clothing of the one bringing it outside is going to become Tome as soon as he as soon as he exits the first machina, which is the Beis Hamikdash. Okay, beautiful. Vereb Shimon, and according to Reb Shimon, now here's the problem. Reb Shimon argues. Reb Shimon says that the clothing does not become Tomei as soon as you exit Yerushalayim. According to Reb Shimon, the clothing becomes Tomei when the person is, um, is, uh, has done the burning completely outside of Yerushalayim. So he is going to have to come with a completely different source. Again, the source that we're stating right now is telling us that once you exit the first machana, you become tame, the clothing becomes Tameh, and then you take it outside of all three camps. But according to Rav Shimon, who says that the clothing does not become Tameh until the actual burning, so now we have, our, we, you know, uh, we have our original question of why does it seem to imply one camp? Why does the Pasuk list it as if you're going outside of one camp? What's unique about that one camp? Your clothing aren't becoming Tameh, you're not burning it there, why are you saying it like this? So Rav Shimon is going to have to come with a completely new understanding. So here we go. What does do with Michot Tamachina? What, what just happened when you left the base of Mikdash? So he says the Gemara, Mi Bailey Lechidan needs it for the following teaching of the Bryce of Rebbe Leaz. Rebbe Leaz says, Namarka Michot Tamachina. It says, Bye, the carbon chata ois of Yom Kippur. You take it outside the camp, so Yom Ralom Michot Tamachina. And it says over there as well, Michot Tamachina, by the irregular chatas of the Kohen Gol. Just like by Yom Kippur, we know it goes completely outside the camps. We said, we know, we take it all the way out to the place of the ashes, right? So too, I'm sorry, we're not dealing with the, the regular parachatas, dealing with the paraduma. So too, the paraduma has to go outside of all three camps, completely outside Yerushalayim. And now that we know to connect the halachas of paraduma, to the par and sa'ir of Yom Kippur, so now we're going to learn backwards as well. We're going to bring this full circle. Just like we know the paraduma was done by Mizrach Shell Yerushalayim, as we learned, remember they had this special bridge that crossed over to, um, to um, Harazesim, where they would bring, which was to the east of Yerushalayim, Avkam Mizrach Yerushalayim, so too the bull and the goat of the Kain Gadol on Yom Kippur were brought to the, not only outside all three machanas, but specifically to the eastern side, and according to the Rabbanon, where was it actually burnt? According to, in other words, according to the Tanakama in our Mishnah, he said, the Tanakama agreed it goes outside all three camps, you burn it, but he said that the, the clothing become tummy as soon as you leave the base of According to Rabbi Shimon, you go outside all three camps, but the clothing doesn't become tummy until you actually burn it. Now, Rabbi Shimon added on an additional point. And Rabbi Shimon also gave us not only that you go outside Yerushalayim, but the location outside Yerushalayim. It has to be to the east. The Rabbanon slash Tanakama, who say it goes completely outside Yerushalayim, we're outside Yerushalayim. Does it matter? Does it matter where? Rabbi Shimon's being more specific. I'll tell you where, to the eastern side. Where do the Rabbanon, uh, do they have a specific spot? So the Gemara says, yeah, like we learned in the Bible, say, Nisrafim, where did we burn the bull and the goat? We now turn to Samachas Amad Beis. 
to the northern side of Yerushalayim, and it was completely outside Yerushalayim. Let's outside all three camps. They would burn it at the base Hadash, in the same place where the ashes of the regular Karbanis were burnt. That set spot outside Yerushalayim is where this was burnt as well, meaning the the Chattas and Sardar of Yom Kippur were burnt in the standard location. Okay? By the, by the Deshan on Israel, by, by the base on Israel, from this place where all the animals that would go outside Israel were burnt, not necessarily on the northern side. Amar Rava. Rava says, Mantan the public Rabbi Who's the Tana who argues on Rabbi Yaisi? Okay? Now Rabbi Yaisi um, says that you need to be in a set Makkum, you need to be in a set spot. Who argues? Not Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Yaakov, who the time we learned the Rabbi Yisrael Shafech Hadashen Yisari, you bring it to the place where the ashes, with the same place where the ashes were put, the ashes were burned. What does that mean? Sheyehei l'sham Dashan, that you should have ashes already there before you burn the animal. Okay, meaning that you ha- the ashes have been there previously to designate this location, and once the de- location is designated, now you could go ahead and burn. It's called it's called a base on its rough. You know, it's called oh, a place where things were burnt. So now you can go start bringing the carbonus. No, all it means that that uh, it, it should be a place where things can roll off of. Okay, he says shefech hadashan. It doesn't mean that you need to have ashes there previously. It just means it shouldn't be flat ground. It should be a little bit on a curve, a little bit on a slant. Therefore. Um, the uh, therefore everything can can roll down. Why? As I said, the pasuk shevach hadat. It should be meshupach. Amle Abay Abay says when kaimen meshupach who depligi that really maybe they're agreeing with the location, the the general location, but maybe they're just arguing whether it needs to be flat ground or slanted ground. Okay. Here we go. Let's just wrap up this topic of a person involved in the par and soir of Yom Kippur becoming. Tame, and we'll finish off. Um, we'll finish off the discussion of our Mishnah with this. Tana Rabbanon, the rabbis learnt, and so should the one who burns the animals. Hasayrev, the one who burns it becomes Tame. But not the one who lights the fire. If you lit the fire to burn it, your clothing, I mean, you do not. He does not become Tame. Okay, him and his clothing. or the person who sets up the wood. The Ezu Asayrif, or or even puts the, the animal on it. So who's considered the one who burns? It's the person involved at the time, you know, making sure that the fire's on, Mamish, making sure that the meat is cooking, uh, being burnt through and through. I would think that maybe once the limbs become ashes, if you're still involved in it, you also become tummy. Let's say somebody else comes along. One guy starts being involved, making sure, you know, it's done properly, and he's got to go to catch Mincha. So uh, somebody else comes along, but it's it's burnt. But he's just you know make sure that the fire goes out properly and all that. So I, w- I would think that listen, they're being involved. Maybe you should also become tamid. Yochalaf mishen nasu efrem etam begadim tamid leimar aisam aisam etam begadim. Only when it's still meat, when a person and a person deals with it, is it metami begadim. V'loy mishen nasu efrem etam begadim. But once it's really already ashes, the person involved is not going to become tamid. Blazer of shimon aimer. Lazar and the, uh, the son of Reb Shimon says, "Hapar mitame, the nite nita chabasar enay mitame be Okay, he says, if it's an animal, par, including the sar, but if it's an animal 
that's metame the person. However, once the uh, the meat is already like gone in a way that it's spoiled, nobody would eat it. There's no longer any sort of tuma. Says the Gemara, my beinayu. What's the difference in these two opinions? Now listen closely. The first opinion said that you only become tummy when it's meat. You don't become tummy when it's ashes. And then comes along Reb Lazar Reb Shimon and he says you only become tummy by the when it's a bull and a goat. But you don't become tummy when it's spoiled. All right. Says the Gemara. Let's just discuss a practical difference in the way that they're expressing this. My beinayu, ikubinayu deshavia charucha. The difference is when. It's not yet ashes. It's still noticeable as limbs. However, it's no longer meat either. So if you say that it needs to be ashes in order to not be matame anymore, if it's not ashes and it's still, you know, it still has a form of the limbs, so then it could still be matame you, according to the Tanakama. But according to Reb Elazar, Reb Shimon, um, that, that says, listen, as long as it's inedible and nobody's going to eat this and it's like spoiled, it's not going to be matame, so then even before it, falls apart into ashes and the limbs are noticeable, nobody's going to eat this, it will it will not give off Toma. Period. End of that discussion of our Mishnah, which leads us to the final Mishnah in our sixth parak of Yuma, says the Mishnah. Here we go. Okay? The Mishnah will take us down and then we have a two-line Gemara. They said the Kain Gadol, the Sayer Lazazel has now been thrown off the cliff. It's reached the Midbar, it's out in the wilderness. Now, did they have Facebook? WhatsApp? How do they know that there's a Sayer already at the wilderness, at the Midbar? And how are they going to get the word back to the Kain Gadol? Who's, who's looking? Yeah, who's on video? Uh, who's on Zoom, right? Ask the Mishnah how they know. Says the Mishnah, they had their kais. There was like a whole system of people set up along the way to watch. And when when the Sa'ir was was final, uh, out in the Midbar, the Sa'ir was pushed off the cliff and had died, the guy who brought it, who was out there by the cliff, raised his flag to symbol to symbolize to the people behind him, uh, let's say a mill away, um, depending on the machlaik as how far away they were, or they could even have been other people. He picks up his flag, and somebody within uh, eyeshot can see that. He lifts up his flag, so on and so forth, and then within a very short amount of time, within a, just within a minute or two, as long as people are looking at their flags, the news travels uh, 12 mil. All right? They would wave their flags. They knew the Sar reached the Midbar. He says, I don't understand why you even have to say that. Remember, weren't there two parts of the thread? Right? They had a great simon, which was, um, from Yushalayim until the. Um, the uh, base Chidudai took three mil. Okay? Now, this is dealing basically with a separate... We're just... Base Chidudai is like a pit stop. All right, we're just mentioning the name of a, a particular pit stop. Holchen mil. They walked one mil. The Chayzen the mil. The Shoyen Kadeh mil. The Yoyden Shagi Asar La Midbar. In other words, you can just figure out time-wise. Rabbi Shmuel says... 
but you didn't necessarily know. Nobody told you. But you just assume. You listen, everybody. Now time takes to walk a mill. He's by the cliff and showing the note. You're good. Bishmol says, but like Simon Acharayilahem, Lashin Shal Zehur is a kosher pischei shalichal. Remember that strip of red wool. Remember that that would turn white as soon as uh, a kapara was given. Shigiyasar lamidbar ayah Lashin Malvin. Okay, so this was a Kaddish Baruch Hu's way of telling Klal Yisrael you already had your kapara, and inside the base Hamikdash they had the wool turn white. As it says, Period. Beautiful, beautiful Mishnah. Amr Abai. Abai says, Shema Mino, you learn from here. Beis Chidudai Bamidbar Kaima. This area called the Beis Chidudai, this particular rest stop, was at the entrance of the Midbar, I guess prior to the cliff area. Okay, but as they would enter outside of the cities. And the mission is letting us know that of the opinion that as soon as the sawyer reaches the midbar, then the kaingodal can move on. It doesn't mamish need to be pushed off the cliff, and the kaingodal was already allowed to begin with the next part of the avaida. Again, because if you look at the middle opinion of the Mishnah, what did Rabbi Yehuda say? Rabbi Yehuda said, "Oh, you don't need to set up this whole system of people waving flags. There was a very simple uh, because." The location of the entrance of the midbar could be seen from Yerushalayim, and you don't need to do it. But, but you're not pushed off the cliff. It must be a beautiful hold. And once you enter the area, you're already at your, your place to say, you're outside. So that's already a kapara, and the Kaingadol is permitted to move on. Hadron Allah, Shnei Seirei. Hadron Allah, Shnei Seirei. Hadron Allah, Shnei Seirei. We'll return to you, Shnei Seirei. Mazdov, everybody who completed the sixth parak of Yuma. And now we begin. The seventh parak of Yuma, and we're continuing on in the Kaingadol Zavaydis. The sixth parak's focus was all about the Sa'ir Lazazel. We learned about the, the, what the Sa'ir Lazazel had to look like, the whole process, how was it chosen, how was it sent, different halachas being the Sa'ir Lazazel. And now that we've completed with the Sa'ir Lazazel, we're going to move back into the Beis Hamikdash and say, now that that part is done, what did the Kain Gadol, once the Kain Gadol got the news, however it was, these th- three different opinions in the last Mishnah, how he continued on with the next step of the Avaita. So here we go. Balai Kain Gadol the Kain Gadol then came out to read the Torah. Kriya Satayr. Time for Kriya Satayr. All right? Now, what did he read on Kriya Satayr? He l- looked inside the Torah. And he read all the psukim that have to do with the avoda of Yom Kippur. Very interesting halacha. Says the Mishnah. If he wanted to wear his standard Yiddish clothing, he was allowed to do that at, during Kriya Satari. The Imlav, Karib Istalis Lava Mishalai. Okay? I'm sorry. Fakir. Either he read Big Day Butz is not his standard clothing. Either he re- he did it in Big Day Butz, linen. Either he was a- he was allowed to read it with his white linen special garments of Yom Kippur, or the Imlav Kari Be'itztalis Lava Mishalai. He was allowed to wear his uh, white kittel, yeah, his personal kittel, which is interesting. Okay, what we're going to have to discuss in the Gemara is is this Kriya Satira and the reading of the Psukim, is this a chilek of the Avoda or not? is a part of the, the overall service of Yom Kippur that needed to be done. Because if it's part of the Avaida, why doesn't he need to be wearing his special Kohanim garments? 
And if it's not part of the avoda, why why are you even talking about it? Why is why is your why are you allowed to even wear? You can't wear your your kahanim garments during something that's not the avoda. And here it kind of has a choice. The Gemara is going to have to explain to us how we view this kriya satir. Okay. Chazan aknes night the sefer the chazan of the shul the shamish yeah. He takes the Sefer Torah nice and the Rosh HaKnesses. He brings it up to the head of the Knesses, the one, uh, the one leading the Davin. The Rosh HaKnesses nice is a God. The Rosh HaKnesses gives it to the assistant Kain Godel, Vaskan, Nice Kain Godel. The Sagan gives the Sefer Torah to the Kain Godel. The whole process of Kavit, yeah, leading up. The Kain Godel, I made him a Kavit. The Kain Godel will take the Torah of the Kariyachari Mois, Vaachva Asar. He would take Acharei Mois and he would begin reading from the Posuk of Ach Be'osor on the 10th day of Tishrei. Of and then when he finished, he rolled up the Sefer Torah and held it on his lap, and he would say to everybody, This is just the appetizer. There's a lot more. There's a lot more in the Torah than what was read here. Okay? And then from Uba Osar, the Pasuk of of um Pasuk of Uba Osar, he would read it and he would make eight brachis over the Tyra. Now, what does it mean over the Tyra? Al Okay, he made the Burkhasa Tyra. The regular brachas that we say, uh, that we say each morning, the al havaida, and he made brachas for the avaida, the al haida, and for he made brachas concerning haida, right? Maidim, giving thanks to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the al mechila and he made a bracha asking and thanking Hashem for forgiving us, v'alamikdash b'fniyatzmai, and then he also made a bracha that was unique. For Hakadosh Baruch Hu giving us a base hamikdash, Val Yisrael b'fnei and then he made a bracha special for Klal Yisrael, Boicher ba'ama Yisrael ba'ahava. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, thank Hakadosh Baruch Hu, blessed are Hashem, the source of all blessings, who chooses Klal Yisrael. Val Yerushalayim b'fnei and he made a bracha on Yerushalayim, thanking Hakadosh Baruch Hu for the kedusha and the gift of Yerushalayim. Val Kehanim b'fnei and then. Um, and then uh, a bracha for for uh, for Shevet Kahuna for all the Kahanim, Al and then there was a bracha for the rest of the David. Okay, whatever was whatever uh, was appropriate for the rest of the Tvila, he made that that was the bracha that he made. Haraya Shehu says the Mishnah, whoever saw the Kain Gadol reading the Torah, Eina Raya Parvasar Hanesrav. Now this is wild. <laughs> By the way, if you're if you're at the kind if if you're uh, at Kriyasatira, you can't see the bull and the goat burnt. Now remember, where was it burnt? Outside Yerushalayim. Which human being is able to be in two places at one time? Nobody. Yeah, maybe Eliana. Maybe Eliana. We're limited to where our bodies are located. It's the Mishnah saying, "Oh, by the way, if you're in one place, you can't see what's going on in the other place." If you're in one room, you can't just go in the other room. I know that. Okay? So Gemara's going to have to explain this. For a purpose, I'm going to say, 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 I'
<laughs> so Gemara is going to have to explain what the whole uh, unique chiddush uh, is over here. All right, let's now go through the Mishnah. Zok the Gemara. Remember, we said at the beginning of the Mishnah something that needs explanation is that during the reading, the Kain Gadol could choose whether to wear his personal kittel, you know, his white uh, his white kittel, or the or the white linen, the big day boots. All right, says the Gemara. If you're going to say he can wear his own kittel, you see that Kriya Star is not part of the Avaida. He doesn't need to wear the special garments. But we said, So you see from here, how do we view this? You see that the Kain Gadol was even allowed to wear the big day boots when he's doing his own thing. You actually were permitted to wear the white linen garments even when it's not part of the Avaida. That's what you see from here. Says the Gemara, what? No. Don't mashani Kriya. Maybe Kriya Star is different than Tzairach Avaidahi. Because it's, it's a Tzairach Avaidahi. Even if it's, you're not going to say it's a uh, uh, crucial part of the Avaida, but it's still part of the process. And so maybe we'll just say that during, since you're still in the middle of the process, no, it's not Mamish the Avaida, but then you can keep on big day butts. But stop to go ahead and get personal benefit. Take it home with you and wear it, uh, you know, because you, you want to look good. The Kangala wants to look good when it comes to chakras the next morning. No. You have no proof. Now, says the Gemara. Now, how do we know there's a whole discussion over here about the white linen garments being permitted for the Kangala's personal use? The Bible, we had a Shiloh. The Shiloh was asked, searching for information. Is it permitted to get personal benefit from the big day love. All right? Says the Gemara. Okay, let's try to get an answer. Tashma, come and listen. We're not allowed to sleep in their big day kaidish, in their holy garments. It seems they can't sleep in their holy garments, but they're allowed to eat lunch. So you see from this b'risa that it's permitted to have, uh, to get personal benefit from the, the garments. So eating is not part of the avayda. Says the Gemara, no. Maybe eating is different. In order to do the Avaidah, you need to have energy. you got to fill yourself up with fuel. Maybe it's, it's, it's a, a Tzairach of the Avaidah. And you should eat the Karbonis, whoever gets a Kapara with them. So maybe the eating that we're referring to is not the general eating. Maybe the eating that we're referring to is the eating of the Karbonis. And that is a Tzairach Avaidah. Says the Gemara, okay, so we'll prove from here. Maybe it means that you can't sleep in it. But we'll say you can go for a spitzir. You can go for a walk. Says the Gemara, no. Really, to go for a spitzir in the big day, Lavan is also not allowed. Now we turn to the top of tomorrow's daf. The Seifa did Shrikhale. The only reason why we, we mentioned Shina, that you can't sleep in it, is because we had to mention that particularly. Because the end of the bride says, that instead of sleeping in them, they should take their uh, they should take their clothing and they were permitted to fold it up and keep it under their heads. Okay? So why are we mentioning Sheena in particular? Not to tell us that sleeping is forbidden, but sh- but going for a spazir, going for a walk is allowed. No. Rather it's coming to teach me. That sleeping is prohibited, but at the time of sleeping, you should take your clothing off, and it was permitted for them to fold it up and put it under their heads. And we're at the two dots. We will hold it here 
for today. Once we've mentioned this halacha, tomorrow we're going to pick up with this idea of, of um, the kaihanim taking off their clothing, folding it, and putting it under their heads. We'll hold it here and have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos. We'll pick up on Matzi Shabbos with Daf Samach Tes at 10 p.m. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.